Welcome to Dog Talk and Kitties 2. This episode is one part of my hour-long NPR show heard every Sunday on WLIW-FM 88.3, the only NPR station on Long Island, where it has broadcast continuously for 14 years. I'm Tracy Hotchner. I wrote the Dog Bible, everything your dog wants you to know, as well as the Cat Bible, everything your cat expects you to know, because I care about people who care about cats, dogs, and other creatures who share our planet. I'm also the founder and director of the New York Dog Film Festival and the New York Cat Film Festival, which travel America and Canada supporting local animal welfare groups. I could not bring you this show without the support of Dr. Elsie's, the privately owned litter and cat food company founded by Dr. Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian who's created a variety of litters to please any cat, as well as inventing clean protein cat foods based on the protein found in cats' natural prey. This show is also made possible with the generous sponsorship of Waruva, the Foreman family-owned pet food company named after their rescued kitties, Webster, Rudy, and Vanessa, where all their recipes in cans and pouches are human edible because they're made in a human food facility. I have such a treat in store for you, a surprise treat, this gem of a book, Faithful Friends, Norman Rockwell and His Dogs. It taught me things about Norman Rockwell as a man and as an artist and boy as a dog lover that I had never really stopped to think about. Margaret Rockwell is his granddaughter by marriage. She has a bachelor's degree in journalism and a doctorate in history, and she manages the Norman Rockwell Family Agency, and she has shepherded a book of such delight. Margaret, congratulations. What a tribute to your grandfather and really to dog lovers everywhere. What, what an oh, incredible thank you. document you've put together, but it has so much heart and soul. First, I need to understand, why do you have to say granddaughter by marriage? I don't know what that means. I mean, why oh, can't you just be his to... granddaughter? No, no, I'm not his. I'm not his granddaughter. I'm his grand. I'm. I married Jeffrey Rockwell, who was oh Norman Rockwell's eldest grandson. Oh, how lovely! So you yes. can't technically be called a granddaughter, although he would have thought well, of you that way. I don't. It depends. It depends. No, I'm a granddaughter by marriage. So I'm. Okay. I'm. Jeffrey. Jeffrey is his eldest grandson, and he was Peter's. Peter's son. And, there, and, and Peter, Peter figures no, in the no, book a lot because his... That's true, he his, does. Yes, and you have pictures of his sons and then pictures of him painting his sons and inserting them into his work. You know, I think that there's... And, and, you, and there is a Norman Rockwell Museum in Stockbridge, Massachusetts that I've been to and I think many people have been to. And I think that these images are so intensely, uniquely American and we feel that we know them so well that it's easy to take them a little for granted. I wonder if one of the reasons you created this book was to show the artistry of this man, no matter where the the paintings wound up being, whether they're a Saturday Evening Post cover, which was no slouchy thing, or even a trading stamps brochure. They are high art. They're art, no, to I... my mind, like the Dutch masters, catching all of these small details of life that are what give it so much texture and reality and resonance. Do you feel he was undervalued as an artist, either in his time or even since then? 
Well, I think he's now valued, you know. I think Good. people now appreciate him. At the time, during his lifetime, he, he, he didn't dare call himself an artist. He was an illustrator. He called yes. himself an illustrator. Yes. But, you know, I, I do love how he, compi- how he created a painting first in his mind, then with the photographs. He, take, he took sometimes hundreds of, of reference photos in order to do his painting. And then he did sketches and drawings. And there's the Newman Rockle Museum is going to open, or is in, well, in September, it's opened a, a special show on his drawings. So it's, it's, it's all that went into making a painting. And I love his reference photos, and that's what I put into the book. A lot of reference photos to yes. show him posing the dogs. Because he, he, it's so funny how he had to pose the dogs. Yes, and funny stories about he, how he posed the dogs and how he used neighborhood boys, actual boys. And then you, you can see, my God, these are portraits. He wasn't That's just true. an artist, but he was a portraitist because the dogs as well. He captured the actual expression of the individual dogs, the set of the ears. And you explain all that in the notes, not in a pedantic way, but in a, hey, look at this. Look at that. Look at how he captured everything. And then you have some that are close-ups of whiskers and noses. And it's remarkable that this man who was really called upon to do something commercial, if you want to look at it that way, the cover of a, of a very famous magazine or even of some commercial-type brochure, to him it was all art. And while he wasn't allowed to take himself seriously, you do that for us and I think it instills a lot of reverence for the level of artistry and how many dogs were in how many of his works of art. I mean, was it easy for you to find them? Because, of course, you're the curator of his whole legacy. But were you amazed, too, by how many dogs and how many of his illustrations? I was amazed, actually. And I, I... I was looking, I was in the archives of the Norman Rockwell Museum, which is in Stockbridge, Massachusetts, and I, I was going through the, the photos that he took of dogs, and I just loved them so much. And love, you know, dogs, we all love dogs. We love to look at them. They provide some comfort. <laughs> and I thought they were so fabulous. And then to put them with the painting seemed like a very special way of showing people something different about Norman Rockwell. And I'm always looking for ways of showing something new and exciting about Norman Rockwell. Well, let me talk for a minute about your position in the family as being the shepherd of his name, of his, probably of his imagery, that I'm sure there are times where people try to steal it or rip it off. It's so iconic. I'm sure you have to have a a sharp eye for that or lawyers or other people have to. But what else is involved? I mean, there's so many fine artists who have usually a grandson who is like the Calder, you know, Alexander Calder's, uh, his legacy is, is carried on by his grandson in that same way, because I, once it turned out, had inherited from a, a marriage a, a, a big Calder watercolor and um, then went to sell some of this collection after a divorce and Sotheby's was all huffy puffy and said, oh, this one doesn't look good, which is their way of saying it's a fake. <laughs> And then they said, do you mind if the Calder, like you, the the agent for, the, the family member who's looking after it gets in touch? And the gentleman called me 
And he said, we actually know this forger. We know exactly where he worked and how he worked. And we can tell you that this painting was sold to your ex-husband by Sotheby's, which was quite amazing. Statute of limitations wow. had passed. But yeah. you have a lot of things you have to keep a sharp eye out for to protect him, don't you? To protect well, Lauren Rockwell? Um, partly. That's part of my job. I also look after permissions for people who want to republish an image in a in a book or a textbook. Right. And lots of and that's international. You know, people want to use his images in in um, language textbooks sometimes in Brazil and in France. They're interested in using his images. So I look after that and make sure the permissions are okay and try to find ways that we can share Norman Ruppel's images in other ways. But there are, there are sometimes there are forgeries that we have to deal with, which is sort of disappointing, disappointing for the people who think they have an original. Aww. And the museum is a great help with that too, because they, they, they can they help with figuring, you know, look at the archives at the museum to help with that. So what will but, come um, after you? Who will be the next? Well, I hope someone does. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Hopefully we can keep it in the family. It's yes. It's great to have it within the family. Yeah. So do you have somebody so waiting in the wings? Some. I hope so. Oh, good. <laughs> okay, good. Not that, that I want you to step down or anything, but I mean, it's just, it seems that this book, Faithful Friends, Norman Rockwell and His Dogs, is such a love letter to the man and to his life and to his family. I was delighted to discover that for three years he lived in Arlington, Vermont, which is only 20 minutes north of me, and then Stockbridge, where I spent huge parts of my, my growing up with, with a sort of second oh. family in Stockbridge. Mm -hmm. So Norman Rockwell's name is synonymous, I guess you could say, with the Northeast or New England, and yet he captures an America that seemed long gone even when I was a child and looking at the images, like this bucolic, almost like a Huckleberry Finn, Tom Sawyer kind of America. Do you feel that? I do. And, you know, I do feel that way. And, you know, thinking about dogs, particularly dogs had a different life. Yes. Dogs were, yes. Dogs were free. That's right. <laughs> dogs didn't, they weren't tied up or fenced in. Um, and, you know, his dog Butch, who was just wandered around and stayed near the family, was a loving pet in the family, but he did wander around and he got stuck in a trap once. And that, a fox that trap, yes, you wrote about how, that. And how much dogs, you know, how life was different for mm -hmm. dogs in those days. Yeah, and, and fox um, traps not far from home. I mean, he went in the woods, Norman Rockwell did, to, to look for his beloved dog right. and only to find right. him in a fox trap, not killed and, you know, just injured, thank God. Right. Uh, yeah. And trapping is still legal in Vermont, unless you put up signs saying no hunting or trapping. So, I mean, that's part of the legacy of, of certain parts of America. I think what I also loved in the book was you gave us some art lessons in a way that I loved. You'd show a painting and you'd talk about the individuals. I'm thinking of the, the bulldog who who has the moving van stuck in front of that's him, right? A, that's a great thing. It's a great yeah. one. But you explain how there's this guy with a kind of undershirt and a fat belly and a and a cigar up on a on a balcony and, and you point out all the people, the real people who are depicted right. and real dogs and you point out from an art history perspective how Norman Rockwell drew your eye with various pointers, if you will, to the central right. character. And that's something that we don't think about, except for in maybe high art. 
but this is high art and you've helped us elevate our perception of it to that was that something pointed out to you or did because your degree is in history so not art history not that it's really right. relevant but I mean <laughs> but but when did you realize that yourself or did an art history person point it out to you and you suddenly realized how how often Rockwell does that in his paintings well I some of it I in I did a lot of reading uh reading that about about Norman Rockwell but his biographers, as well as his autobiography and other books yes. about, you know, Rockwell's written a lot about how to paint. He told artists how to paint. And this was an idea that he explained. And then I, as I understood that, then I, then as I was looking at paintings like, like the boy in the veterinarian's office yes, and yes. the soda jerk, I realized that dogs were directing, <laughs> the dogs were directing our eyes at where the action was. The dogs helped tell the story. Definitely. So, the boy, the boy, so I, I think of the boy in the train station trying to, to hide his, his dog in a basket, in a carry basket. <laughs> and if you look at it, the, when I say the Dutch masters, or, or even you could say Indian miniatures, if you will, the amount of detail, the attention to detail, like even in that painting when your book allows us to take the time to really study it because it's so delightful to look at what's going on and the story being told the the uh, we know it's a train because the young man's train ticket is stuck in the the band of his hat his hat band mm -hmm. things That's that right. don't have to be there that was extra time and trouble and work and concern that that went into it by the creator but it's all there all these details of what life was lived like and and as you say what dogs lived like and, and the dog with the sad expression when the owner, the the, the young man owner is probably going off to college. Isn't and that, that was a, a wonderful, that an amazing, yeah, and the way an you wrote about thing. it was great. I mean, oh, talk about that. You. I mean, your perception and then how you share that with us. Oh, it's just such an amazing painting. This is Breaking Home Ties with the, yes. the rancher father looking out probably to the past, well, the young man's looking forward to the train. They're, gonna, they're going to flag down the train. But the one who shows his real emotion is a lovely collie who's nestled his face onto the boy's knee. He knows he's going to use his friend, That's <laughs> lose right. his friend to college. As if he, he's the one that, well, that has all the, maybe he's the one who shows the emotion that the father can't really exactly, show. Exactly, because a taciturn, man's man is not going to, you know, break down and hug or kiss or cry. But <laughs> the dog does it for him. And, and that's the that's artist right. finding a way to show how sad it is when exactly. people grow up. I mean, people that's are dealing right. with that all the time. Their kids grow exactly. up and off they go. And, and it's a, a kind of a final parting or certainly a parting into adulthood. What about that fire right. of his um, of his studio in Arlington, you didn't talk at all about how it started. Was it paint rags or? He thinks he, I don't think they knew for sure. They think it was paint rags and he, he smoked a pipe. So, ah. you know, it's probable that he put his pipe into the rags and that's what probably happened. So, and that's, and that was tragic. Because of the dog. But it was also a, a relief. So it was tragic because he lost so much, all his costumes, all the photographs, all his work and the building. But luckily the four freedoms had already moved out of the of the of the studio before. And that you know, if it had burned before the four freedoms had left, that would have been really horrible. a huge loss. But then his dog his his German shepherd 
got smoke yes. inhalation and died from it. That's what they say. I I that I was told that I haven't I haven't I don't know that, but I was told that he actually died of smoke inhalation. He would have been an old dog by then, though. So I think. And then after after rally, that was the 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 dog rally. After rally, in when they and they moved to West Arlington, they um they got Butch the the spaniel. Yes, he was he was part of coming and going. That great painting. So, what would you like this book to do? Have people appreciate Norman Rockwell more, come to the Norman Rockwell Museum in Stockbridge? I mean, is there a call to action? Because I feel like it should (laughs) inspire people. If you were already an artist, it could inspire you to be a better artist, but there aren't that many people that that would apply to. (laughs) Well, it'd be great if they go to the uh, Norman Rockwell Museum in Stockbridge, Massachusetts, particularly now that there's this drawing show on. Yes. But, um, and his drawings are, it just shows you how meticulous he was in his in in his art but also i think i think i'd like i'd like dog lovers who buy the book to learn about norman rockwell and appreciate him and i'd like norman rockwell lovers who buy the right. book to appreciate dogs yes and what they, what that's they really nice that's really nice yeah. I, I think also the the detail of the dogs and in some places you do close-ups and and their eyes, the expressiveness, oh, their I whiskers, know. their toenails, the shape of their <laughs> feet. I mean, the folds of their skin. It's it's beautiful. It's really, it's mm. so wonderful. And I think you've done a great service to him and to the extended family and to all of us who love dogs. And for me, it's made me come to appreciate and admire his work so very much. So Margaret Rockwell, oh. well done. What a beautiful book. Faithful Friends. Norman Rockwell and his dogs. Do get it for yourself, and it makes a divine gift as well. Thank you, Margaret. Thank you so very much. Thank you. Thanks for listening. There are a few more very special companies that make this show possible, and I hope you will support their support of my mission to entertain and educate. Merrick Pet Care, which began as a family-run company in Texas 30 years ago, is still making natural pet food I feed my own dogs. They also provide nutrition to pet shelters in Chicago and Texas and free food for the service dogs for veterans from Canines for Warriors. Cradle, which makes CBD calming products to reduce stress for dogs using broad-spectrum CBD from U.S.-grown hemp, formulated with a proprietary blend of nutraceutical ingredients. My Wanda Weimaraner couldn't get through thunderstorms without their cradle melts. Earth Animal, which is privately owned by Dr. Bob and Susan Goldstein, creates holistic pet wellness products with an emphasis on their stewardship of the Pet Sustainability Coalition and makes innovative foods like the hybrid dog food Wisdom, which sometimes is all that Maisie Hotchner will eat. Evermore Pet Food, which is privately owned by two extraordinary women who cook dog food from the most pristine human edible ingredients and ship it to your door in frozen pouches. It's higher quality and more ethically sourced than my own food. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this shorter version of Dog Talk and Kitties 2 and will listen to other episodes sometime soon.